1: Welcome, welcome, dear listener, to another episode, the second episode in season five of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Good evening, Mr. Joe. Good evening, Mr. Matt. Good evening, dear listener. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. We're well into the thralls of season five now, and Nam's round the corner. So You know Good um, times. it was Blue Monday recently.
2: Right. So, is that a you know, it? Sad. It's the saddest day of the year. That's what everyone says. Mm. And I, I actually think today we are recording it on a Monday, yeah. the week after the previous Blue Monday. It's the saddest day because everyone I know is going to Nam, <laughs> And uh, I will not be there. No. Um, you know, I was yeah. talking to Blake. I was talking to Philip. I was talking to Ryan at 60 Cycle, um, all the chums. And mm. uh, I went, I won't be there. And everyone was crying. There was shouting in the streets it's unbelievable but yeah no i'm not gonna be there and believe it or not i think this year joe and i'm sure you probably feel the same this year feels like the year everyone is back like (laughs) it feels the year like everyone's going it's like gonna be the biggest party
1: and i'm not invited it came out of nowhere (laughs) though it came really late i feel like everyone all the companies that i work for were like yeah maybe we'll do it and it was only like a couple of months ago that people started going yes we're we're actually going to we're actually, where gonna we're going to go and there was to, to be fair, like I said, I, I spoke about this last week. But NAM is always going to clash with my girlfriend Emma's birthday, and so I'm very, mm. very rarely ever going to go yeah, to I, yeah, I just yeah. want the Nashville one back. Um, but summer the, one. The, yeah, yeah, I want I want that one to come back. The summer one, the good thing is for me is that everyone's going to NAM, so all the companies that I work for, the various companies that I offer, market, they've all buggered off to NAM, so I can do whatever I want now. I hope they I don't sh- watch this or listen to off. this. I, I,
2: yeah. I just. I genuinely think this year, compared to others, feels like it's been really heavy on NAM launches. A lot of big companies have really been coming out the gates with a lot of launches. Yeah. Um everyone seems to be going this year. Everyone I know who hasn't been before is going. Friends that I know who work in the industry have never been before are going. And I'm like, oh. And I'm and it's like, you know, England's cold, it's stormy. I'm like, this is like the perfect time to go to LA you up for an hour to have a really bad expensive slice of pizza uh, in the food tried. court sit outside that fountain soaking up the sun in the five minutes you have in between shouting at people on a booth because it's too loud
1: i but really we love it and we do it i really year. wish it was somewhere else in the world other than california i can really take or leave that that area it's too warm it's- and plastic
2: It's It's very weird because for people who haven't been or for new listeners who have no idea what NAMM is, the annual convention, it's like Comic-Con for musicians, um, in Anaheim, California. But Anaheim was built for Disneyland, so effectively... The North
1: American Music Meet. <laughs> the
2: hey. National Association of Music Merchants. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it's been going since 19... 19- Twenty nine or something, I think. That is
1: ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I know, absolutely crazy. But it's been held in Anaheim for for many many years, like thirty years. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Anaheim's just a bit weird. It's it's built for Disneyland. It's very family orientated.
1: People only go there for the convention center. Yeah. Um. It's also the home as as a big Star Trek fan. Matt, uh, it is also the home of uh, of of Starfleet. In, uh, in the Picard series. Um, oh, it's very true. On, on Paramount. It is the building that they use to pretend it's a futuristic building where Starfleet are based. So, you know, um, it's not yeah. bad.
2: I actually got a little bit of history wrong there, Joe. It is, it's, was inaugurated in 1902, 122 years ago, <laughs> if you can believe
1: it. Although. I wonder, m- I wonder what Fender had out that year. Yeah,
2: I think actually at that point it was <laughs> Napta. The National Piano of Manufacturers Association of America. Wow. Uh, it uh, became NAM in 1920. Um, so it was basically conceived, uh, con- basically an event to convince piano merchants to produce full lines of band instruments. So very much a kind of big band show. I guess that was obviously what was popular at the time. The guitar didn't even exist in the form that we know and love today. Um, it became the kind of international music and sound expo as we know it in 1976. And then the NAM show, as we now call it, in 2003. Wow. Uh, and it's been in Anaheim since 2003, uh, if Nature. not slightly before. But yeah, so there you go. That's a little bit of history of NAM. It is absolutely bonkers. And I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, if you haven't guessed, dear listener, this week's episode, episode two in season five, is called New for Nam 2024, part one. I'm calling it part one because I'm sure next week Matt and I are going to have more things to talk about that have been released. Um but yes, this is new FNAM 2024 part one. This week's podcast, it's worth mentioning, is sponsored by Stringjoy Guitar Strings and also Isotope and Native Instrument Plugins. The big news, I guess, NAM, the big things that we've heard about that are the new releases are the big three have. Uh, I'm going with big three and I'm throwing PRS in there. So the big three have made their announcements Gibson, Fender, PRS. They've announced some of their new stuff. Obviously, Fender aren't there. But they've announced their new stuff that's happening. So, you know, it's still like a Nam release in that sense. I think um, I was going to say
2: it feels like, and I kind of get it, that the bigger companies come out of the gates early because they can afford the marketing and press. Hmm. Uh, and they get their releases out early and they kind of want people, I guess, dealers. You know, Nam is traditionally a dealer event. People to know what's coming. Uh, so they can start listing it on their website now, and then everything else kind of tumbles out at Nam, but obviously it becomes very noisy, very hectic, yeah, so you know the guys like Fender Gibson, they always come out of the gates pretty early on that sort of stuff
1: yes, yeah, exactly so uh so yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a look at those things that Gibson the Fender the prs releases maybe squeezing gretchen Charvel. i don't know we'll see we'll see how time goes um also if uh if you did check it out dear listener recently on the guitar nerds instagram i posted a picture of me carrying an absolutely hench bundle of effects pedals because i just got sent an awful lot of um of effects and so we're going to talk about some of the awesome things that I've picked up and that's actually also where the sound samples coming from this week so we're going to have a little look at those and we're going to Very be talking nice. about maybe maybe some of the other maybe I'll I'll squeeze in some of the new release break a couple of embargoes from Ashdown and KMA machines as well and let you know some uh, some secrets there nice we'll i uh, there was something actually we didn't put
2: on here joe if we get time i want to talk about it but I won't say it now in case people go, I'm going to wait for that, and then we don't talk about it. So I'll put it on the <laughs> okay. list.
1: Um, okay, cool. Where are we going to start, Joe? Um, I don't know, Matt. Fender or Gibson? Should we start with Gibson? Gibson, I feel like this is the big one for me. This is the Nam 2024. This is what people are going to come away saying. That was Nam 2024. It was the year that Gibson brought amps back. Because I think that is... A massive, we we knew something, we hoped something was going to happen after the Gibson Mesa Boogie acquisition. Mm. But of course, Gibson have bought lots of companies before. And, you know, I mean, did, who did they buy? Did they buy Tascam for a while? And well, we've got yeah, like a, the Tascam work. Orange 335 was all yeah. we got from that.
2: Yeah. And then we had the, uh, they Kate owned Walk. like Wurlitzer at one point. It's like you're right. not really going to see much of that. I think they own Onkyo. They're like, Um, turntable company. Obviously, they own KRK now as well. Um, Do they still own KRK?
1: I thought they offloaded it According to their website, they still own KRK. They they owned that microphone brand that we actually started the podcast using, Matt. Those Bumblebee mics. Oh, yeah.
2: That was a Gibson brand. Um,
1: But yeah, you're right, Joe. I think this is the one
2: that people... I guess people have been waiting for because they bought Mesa Boogie during COVID, during lockdown, Uh, not that long ago. Maybe it was longer and time's just flown by. But, you know, I think historically, apart from Fender, a lot of big guitar companies struggle with amps because their guitars are more famous than their amplifiers. You know, so you've got like PRS and they make great amps, but people don't talk about them as much because they're always talking about the guitars. And I think historically, Gibson, the only ones that people remember are things like the GA5, which have kind of got this like legendary studio status, but they're kind of a small crappy amplifier. And yeah. then you get things that they'll bring out like, they had those Epiphone Juniors and those Epiphone amps. So you kind of get Ugh. this impression of these, like they make amps because someone needs to play a Gibson guitar and a Gibson amp, but they're actually pretty, pretty rubbish. And this is like, well, hold on. We've got Randall Smith, pos- possibly one of the most legendary app designers ever, you know, boogie. And uh, we might as well get him to do it. So that's exactly what they've done. So these are actually, uh, these are good. Yeah. Oh, I think you should say, Joe, these are actually, I mean... They're good. They're boogie they you know they're designed by Randall Smith from Boogie. So this exactly. is They a look big deal.
1: fantastic. They've gone for a really great like just a simple incredibly heavily classic look. Everything looks classic. The handle on top is incre- is old school. It's like a it's sort of a you know it's not padded. It's no, it's not on a a little spring. It's not anything. It's just like a on a sort of metal it, it it's like a it's like a kitchen door handle. Uh, mm. On the on the top of the amp, which is great. The foot switch is just um, the you know shaped aluminium, and it, it just looks great. It's simple, old school, very very classic mm. cream amplifiers with a gorgeous deep brown basket weave, which looks great. Like you know, when when I think of how when Fender put out a new amp, it's very modern. Mm. I, I know that I, I know. Obviously, they still do all their classic amps, still. I mean, but they. uh there's there's always a little modern edge on the Fender stuff. They're looking – Fender always looking forward. They're looking to make new things, and I love that Gibson looked back. I love that they made something yeah. that matches their instruments. It's very classic. I'm glad they didn't release something weird in 80s or – that was just another version of Mesa yeah. Boogie. There were so many routes they could have gone down which would have been wrong. This is the right route. And best of all, the number one thing that Gibson do, they haven't done, which is made these insanely expensive. Um they they're they're not they're not cheap. Then, yeah, they're not cheap, but 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 they're not, they're not as much as a Boogie yeah. in some sense. <laughs> exactly.
2: Um So, yeah, I think there's a couple of big things here. So you've got the Falcon 5 and the Falcon 20. Uh, The Falcon 5 is 7 watts. Uh, I guess 5 sounds better than 7 in a name. Uh, And the 20 is 12 watts. Again, maybe it's just a name thing. Uh, One has a 10-inch Jensen speaker. One has a 12-inch. But what you've got is basically a fairly simple amp, so volume, tone, reverb, and then you've got a um, tremolo as well on both with a depth Um, and a frequency depth and frequency, which is very cool. I think the big thing though, is that they've taken the multi watt power scaling from the boogie system and put them here. So that is not just an attenuator like a lot of other amps. It physically what they call duo class technology. It basically changes the wiring inside to change the way the power amp works so power amp handling is very different it basically means that the amp responds totally different which means you get a different feel a lot of times when you just attenuate you're drawing a lot of power away from the power amp and into the speakers dynamic dynamically dynamically Dynamically. makes it feel very different because it they feel choked um whereas this is like a you know single end the five is a single-ended class a amp that you can then kind of scale back so Yay, there's a lot of different stuff here. Um, I think it's really cool. I think it's a cross between the sort of more traditional boogies and then kind of that Gibson vibe on it. It's, it's good that they haven't just rebranded a boogie. They've actually built an yeah. amp from the ground up. Um, and they're going to be, just looking here, 1499 for the Falcon 5 in, in dollars. Yeah. And 17 dollars for the Falcon 20 so i get Uh, that they're
1: expensive but these could have been a lot more (laughs) but i think this is
2: for people who love gibson i i I don't think you're going to necessarily be looking at these you know you know you've got tone King and those kind of boutique brands and they're kind of wedging themselves in that kind of sphere i feel with the kind of price and the images but I, i i just think if you're kind of into gibson and kind of the other things they're doing and certainly the other things that they're bringing out at nam um i think we you know like the mod shop and stuff it's for people who love gibson and want gibson stuff uh first and foremost that's that's my feeling on it i think
1: sure i, I think they're also probably very good very premium sounding amplifiers Have, I so, absolutely i i agree they're there for gibson fanatics but i think they can stand I hope they can stand on their own legs as a as a, a quality boutique amplifier for people who love kind of retro low wattage tremolo. I think it's um,
2: it's tricky because that market has become a lot more saturated with boutique yeah. builders making similar things. Um, their advantage is that many Gibson dealers will stock them, where they won't stock many other boutique brands that perhaps deal direct. Yeah. um so it helps them build up a bit more of a story and a reputation early on and that's what they've got to do really is build up the reputation yeah. um because a lot of the boutique brands have been building it for years and decades and they're sort of coming out the gate it's like we haven't made app for ages and here's an app designed by someone really famous which is great now they've just got to get people using it and i think i that's, wonder when that's gibson did thing.
1: last make an app.
2: uh
1: asking google
2: Asking Google, ask ChatGTPT. <laughs> wow. Um, You're okay there. Yeah. Heavy yeah ask... Um, Gibson ask abandoned
1: internet. amplifier production in 1967 in order to focus on guitars. Um, wow. Yeah, there we go. That is... That's it. Wow. I mean,
2: they must have cost a lot of money <laughs> back then. And again, <laughs> it could have just been a bit of a vanity project. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm... Um, I'm interested to see where this goes. Uh-huh. Uh, I think we just need to see people using it. I think they need to get a couple of people like behind it, using it as their that'd main thing. And that'd then, be great. Um, a couple
1: of like cool players, like uh, maybe not Slash this time. You know, would be would be great <laughs> for Gibson to get someone else on board. I think they're going to go
2: down the big retro route. I think that's 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 the vibe they're going to go for here. So I think they're going to yeah. definitely go down the retro route.
1: Well, we'll see. I'm certainly very excited about it. the Falcon 5 and Falcon 20. Super cool combo amps. Have a look, dear listener. Check them out when you can. Now, one of the other big brands that isn't Fender who have launched uh, launching something interesting. It is, of course, the Internet's favorite guitar, the uh, PRS Silver Sky. Um, loved by bedroom guitarists everywhere. Uh-huh. The, uh, and me. <laughs> Actually, I am a bedroom the, guitarist. The uh, PRS have revealed yet more new finishes, pickup specs, and, weirdly, tuning buttons. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: I think um, this explains why that uh, Roxy Pink PRS was going so cheap, right. uh, I think, last week, because I think it's smart. They, they bring out colors for a little bit they discontinue colours perhaps they discontinue colours that aren't doing very well maybe it's more strategic than that then those colours go up in price because people are like I want that colour so it sort of makes sense now so you've got two colours in the
0: PR Silver Sky Faded Black Tea. Hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
2: T as in T E E, like a T shirt, I guess, uh, which is a satin finish and Venetian blue, which is basically, to me, looks like the Eric Clapton yes, Mercedes, it's blue. Mercedes blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, if you love Eric Clapton and John Mayer, there you go. You can have a P.R.S. Silver Sky in Venetian blue. I think the faded black tee looks awesome because it's got the satin finishes but i know you hate satin finishes but i think the rosewood fingerboard as well looks um really sweet on that i think it looks i think it looks cool look really really cool it's a shame they
1: haven't making the uh dead spec one a a standard model though i was going to say the same thing i would have loved to have seen uh, like an onboard preamp um Mm. and a hardtail maybe become like a a spec that you could get it didn't always have to be an alembic one they could have done their own prs preamp in there just something that imitates it but you could get the price down a little bit on there but mm. but no it is just new finishes um it's it's amazing really isn't it because who
2: do new finishes appeal to because once you own one if you're like a average guitarist yeah you, are you going to buy another one Probably I, uh, not. But if you're kind of a real big John Mayer fan, I guess, then you buy lots. Of, or are you going to be sitting there going, I'm not going to buy one until they do
1: this color? Well, I think so, yeah. I think people, like a lot of the John Mayer stuff, you know, the early ones, there was that awful green. Then they did the cheap ones, which were all bad colors. Yeah. Um, they've They've always been a really specific type of color. This is the first time we've seen, you know, a little bit more classic, a little bit more... I mean, these these are both tasteful finishes mm. yeah, rather yeah. than being a bit poppier sort of thing. So Yeah, yeah. I guess um, it's um, but that.
0: But
2: that's not the big news, though, Joe. I think the big news really is, um, bizarrely enough, something
1: very small. Uh, that's the new tuning buttons. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? When uh, I saw this press release turn up in my inbox and it said PRS... Uh, silver sky with new tuning button i thought they meant a button that tuned it i was like no oh, they're bought, going they've bought robot Robo tunes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh but yes no it's not what no they
2: um so so actually this these tuning buttons have, are on the nf3 and they're on the private stock john mclaughlin models that came out last year right oh really and, wow you know I didn't notice, uh, you know, we call ourselves guitar nerds. So I didn't notice. Um, but they actually put out a video with Paul Reed Smith talking about them. And and the interesting thing here is he talks a lot about, you know, he's the kind of people class him as like the Willy Wonka of guitars because he's just sort of mad into like all of these kind of crazy little details. Yeah. And he's like basically anything that connects with the string is super important to tone you know, if you've got a really heavy tuning button or a big tuning button, that sort of affects it in a certain way. Uh, so they wanted these kind of lighter weight, smaller tuning buttons that kind of pulled less weight off the headstock and allowed the guitar to ring more. And, you know, he talks about, a lot about that. And then he's like, this was actually the original design we had in 1980, and we've only now been able to realize it properly and they actually show a diagram from that he drew in 1980 which was five years before the company even formally began uh yeah. and they're basically saying they're now going to appear on i think basically every model um and he's like some people will love them some people will hate them but he's like we love them so they're going on everything check the website and you'll find out so uh at least for future guitar historians it'll be easier to, it'll be easy to tell um when things change because you'd be able to go, what what PRS buttons are on that? Oh yeah, that's twenty (laughs) four buttons. Um so yeah, quite interesting. I I, I think it's I think it's nice that they're still looking back and sort of looking at those ideas and and sort of realizing them today. Sure. Um but yeah big big news I'm sure loads of people are gonna hate it. Um But yeah. you know I actually think they look I think they look quite slick they're sort they, of not they metal they there
1: Yeah I took a minute to get used to them they look oddly big and a bit basic in their shape like a little unelegant mm. Uh but um actually like having looked at them a bit I think they're kind of cool they they fit with the PRS's aesthetic I I think so because they're not they're
2: kind of almost like an ivory like bone nut yeah. finish aren't they but they're yeah. obviously not um that kind of material i'm guessing they're a plastic um but i think they're nice because it it matches the nut it kind of matches the aesthetic of the wood and the kind of finishes they use um so i'm all for it yeah prs coming my way this year (laughs) joe this is what (laughs) i say i've
1: finally i've finally transitioned this mine now (laughs) i would have liked some more finishes in the silver sky se line i think that's uh that, for me, that would have been good. I I wonder if,
2: I mean, this is all speculation, but I wonder if they've actually done very well. I, I guess they've probably yeah. done quite a lot, but we saw quite a lot of deals in certain colours. So probably we certain colours were pretty unpopular. And I just wonder whether a lot of people are just going, I might just buy the other one. <sighs>
1: I don't. I don't know. There was a big price difference between them. Twenty two hundred quid for a normal one, seven hundred quid for an SE. Like that's a that's a big price difference. That's I mean that's a big reason to go for the SE. But I think they were quite careful with it. In you know, those finishes weren't very nice. They were they were very very basic. You know, there, um, there weren't even any metallics or anything like that. There were just some really plain colors that weren't even you know a PRS version of a Fender color they were something new they looked very simple very squire affinity um fin- <laughs> finishes. i know
2: exactly what you mean yeah exactly it was just that and, mean, and yeah, i'm yeah. not
1: i'm not like i i bet they're well good i bet they are great guitars i don't think anyone was going yeah what i want is uh you know like a a really flat looking cream or green you know Hey, uh, what's what's interesting right used markets always
2: always uh interesting for these so you can actually buy a i mean prs se silver sky i mean it's a stupid equipment so probably haven't sold many because i think it was actually in the uh, reverb
1: top 10 selling guitars thing that we talked <laughs> about last year yeah but that's, um, that's probably because people buy them and then sell them There were loads in the pre-owned.
2: I know. So you can actually buy a new SE Silver Sky for as cheap as 5.89 in Moon White. So retail price or RRP price of 8.95. Is that pounds? Are Are you talking pounds? I am talking GBP. Great great British pounds. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, you can pick them up here for as cheap as... Well, I think the thing is the second-hand price has come down so much... Uh, the new prices come down so much, the second-hand ones actually don't seem that good of a value <laughs> yeah. in that colour. But you can pick them up for as low as £400. Wow. That's um, not long, that is not a that lot of money. That is less
1: money than a classic vibe Stratocaster.
2: I did see, and I've forgotten the channel now, but there was a person on YouTube who was, like, modding PRSs, Silver Sky specifically, and making, like, dual humbucker versions and HSS versions (laughs) and single pickup versions. And I was like, oh, man, they look really cool. So I don't know what they're like underneath the scratch plate, but um, they could make a good modding guitar for
1: not a lot of money, I think. Guitar Nerd is sponsored by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the world's first true guitar string custom shop. The thing that I love most about Stringjoy is just their attention to detail, their dedication to making their strings the best in the world. And that's a, a labour intensive task that they don't shy away from. Stringjoy are also innovative, they're always looking for new ways to make strings better. As guitar players we've become so used to all the shortfalls of commercially available strings that we stopped even looking for them to be better, last longer, intonate well, easily. Stringjoy bring all of that to every pack of strings they make, and they're available almost as readily as any other generically made guitar string. Stringjoy strings are available at stringjoy.com and at 400 plus dealers across the globe. If your local store doesn't stock Stringjoy yet, asked them to um
2: but yeah i'm it's yeah kind of a a big small announcement from prs because it's going to be new models it's updated lines you know more colors of the silver sky but i think the
1: big thing is is those buttons the buttons the buttons believe it or not it's the buttons Okay, well, let's, uh, let's talk about Fender then. Let's, uh, let's move on to Fender, the, the big brand, the big brand that aren't at NAM. And they've, they've released a whole bunch of stuff. They announced new Gretsch models, new Charvel models. Um, they uh, announced some pedals, some Squires. And most importantly, it is the 70th anniversary of the Stratocaster. This is 70th anniversary God. of the Stratocaster. It feels we, like only yesterday we were talking about the 60th. We are getting to a point where those old guitars are gonna be beyond playable. You know, it's uh, we're coming to that time. Stuff we're coming that to is a point. Yeah, high value now is about to lose money when people realise that old wood that is 70 years old is.
2: I just think walking. it's. I think it's just mad. I mean, I know you can buy guitars now. If you bought a 100-year-old guitar now, it's an acoustic. You know, there's Martins out there. They're like a 100 years old. But we're actually going to live, me and you, Joe, providing, you know, touch wood, nothing happens. We're actually going to live in an age where you could potentially play a Strat that is a 100 years old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty bonkers, isn't it? That, that is pretty bonkers. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, they're simple you know guitars especially fenders were always built to be simple we're designed to be you fixable. know modular yeah. so it's sort of it's sort of conceivable that you can just keep them going um i mean obviously they could end up a bit like trigger's broom which is a great reference for older english people yeah. uh, where you've changed things so many times that it's not really the original guitar but yeah we're 70 years on 70 years on from the founding of fender that is incredible well the not the um, founding offender, the the, oh, the 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 oh, the of The strat, sorry, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean it's yeah, I mean that's amazing. You can yeah. play you could potentially play a 70-year-old instrument now. Yeah. Um yeah. I'm not yeah. a fan of the colours, though, Joe, I must <laughs> admit.
1: Um, so, so I'll tell you what they've done, dear listener. They've introduced two 70th anniversary m- models. They've introduced the Mexican-made player model. Um, which they're doing in a in a finish called Nebula Noir. That's another new color rather than for the 70th anniversary doing an original color. Don't get me started. And uh, the USA made American Professional 2, um, which they're giving, again, nothing to do with how it was. Originally, they're doing a flame of <laughs> maple top um there are standard spec players and pro 2 models with an anniversary two color sunburst right. as well so that's that's I, at least they they are doing them they are doing them the, the player know, um, the player still it's great that they've done the player in a in a in a two color sunburst with the white guard but they've they haven't got vintage tint on the neck and so it doesn't really look like a an old strat you know and i know that's because They're doing those things on the Professional 2. The Professional 2, they've gone for a parchment guard, lovely aged, you know, sort of yellow buttons Mm. and pickups, and the gorgeous vintage tint neck. Certainly, the Professional 2, the US Professional 2, looks absolutely wonderful. Two Mm. colour sunburst. It's the best sunburst, and it looks fantastic on a 50s style strat. I wish they'd done more with the player in its original finish,
2: personally. I love the finish. The Nebula Noir, because it's like a black sparkle. Like it. Yes, it's um, a very
1: nice finish. But I think the choice of pickguard is Oof. very wrong. Perloid pickguard with black pickup. It's is just what they've it, gone you know, for. I what just a slap think, in the face to the I memory think, of the Stratocaster that that guitar <laughs> is. Probably the worst looking Strat Fender have ever put together. And that's their 70th anniversary just, model gen z slapping the boomers
2: right in the face yeah um no i you know because there is you know it's a modern guitar obviously of a 70 year old design so you've got two point trem you've got the pure vintage 59 single coils in there you've got a nine and a half inch radius so it's much more modern for me i just think I love the idea of the pickups. I love the sound of those pickups. Mm-hmm. I just think the black hardware would work if it was a different colored plate. Just a black guard would have or, been fine. Yeah, I just think black guard and then white pickups yeah. would have looked quite cool uh, or all black. I just think the Perloid is like purloid and Sparkle. It's a really tricky combination to get right. Because I mean, I had a gold Sparkle guitar with a Perloid scratch plate and it kind of worked because. They were very, very similar, but a white perloid guard is very stark against a very deep black body. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of, i you know, I hate to
1: use this word, Joe, but it kind of makes it look cheap, in my opinion. It does. It does. Also, um, what's weird is the 70th anniversary is the Platinum Jubilee. Um, uh, I just feel like they could have lent into that. I don't want an old platinum strat. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying something like just some weird. glitter Do they honor the strat, same
2: things they? in America to the to the mm. UK
1: in terms of platinum? Yeah, yeah, believe? yeah. I think it's the same. I think those those. Uh, yeah, I think that's it's just how it is. Yeah, but you know, don't forget they've also.
2: on uh, if you go to Fender.com, you go to new uh they've also announced a fender spaghetti wavy checker logo t-shirt for 25.99 i think actually joe well while, while we're on it can we quickly i know this wasn't on uh on your agenda specifically but we should talk about because actually there was quite a cool release from fender i know we were talking about it uh over uh oh no over chat joe
1: oh no you- but
2: I, d- I do want to mention, because I think this is, uh, you know, we're going to get asked about this, Joe. We are the guitar nerds. We are the number one guitar-based Come podcast. on, then. Get it over with. We should talk about the Fender switchboard effects operator. Oh, um So me and Joe have been uh, talking about this this week, this weekend, kind of divided on the color. But I actually think feature-wise, this is – I think this is gonna be I think this is gonna be fairly good for them. So this is basically their take on a gig rig ESA effects. It's switches. an ES5. Well, well, it's, it's an ES5, basically. Yeah. It's an ES5, so five loops, uh four switches, so you've got uh, five well, five banks, you've got six switches, you've got up and down, but it's got a full colour screen on it. The screen's which very I nice. Think, the screen I is, think in, is the, nice.
1: in the style that they've had on like their GT stuff for the last little while. As is well it as the that.
2: same screen as the... Is it a smaller screen than what's on the... It'll be smaller than the Tomaster? It's much it. smaller than the Tone Master. Yeah, the Tone yeah, Master yeah, has yeah.
1: a massive, it's like a phone on the Tone Master Pro. That's yeah, one yeah. of the big things is how big their screen is. But this is the same as like their GT Mustang stuff um, with that style of screen with like the blue, the black and the gray color palette. And then mm. having one large knob that's pressable as well. And it's notched so that you can flick through everything. I actually really like that. Their operating system and how it's controlled, like like it, it, some real thought has gone into controlling everything with that one large knob, um, and so I, I've got a lot of time for that. I, I actually really liked the the Mustang stuff. You know that that stuff was all brilliant. The problem that it had was it wasn't Katana, but it was very very good. And I, I think bringing that to something like this, mm. who decided to make it gold though, Matt? I, when I saw this, I messaged Mark <laughs> Packham immediately because i thought it was wood i thought it was like a light maple i thought they were leaning into the to that it's anodized gold isn't it it's anodized like brushed gold how did this like who thought of that first of all like where did that even occur in someone's brain and then how did that idea then get verbalized and then other people at fender agreed with it to the point that it was built and manufactured. This would be a fine product if it was any other finish on planet I, Earth. I, I think
2: you're being a bit harsh,
1: but it's, bit harsh. Always,
2: it's I think for me, it makes me think, you know, my background at Boss, it makes me think of acoustic products because a lot of our products are that. I guess it's a similar finish to some of their other products products that sort of anodized brushed finish yeah it's um, the same
1: as their pedals isn't it someone posted exactly. on on guitar nerds like you know a picture of it as soon as it came oh it was it was yogi and um uh, and and yogi said this will get dirty very quickly was uh, the comment that he yes
2: yeah yeah i think you're probably not He's not wrong there I, I one thing that's interesting which i didn't i didn't realize until sort of just reading a bit deeper about it now co-designed with ron Manelli. Lots of people are gonna go, who's Ron Manelli? Who's Ron Manelli? Ron Manelli is the guy behind RJM. And RJM are one of the industry leaders in uh switching, RJM music technology. Oh. Uh so they've made they make things like the effects gizmo, which is like the rack mount switcher. They've made like the MIDI gizmo, the mastermind GT. They make loads of pedal boards for famous people. And they've designed all their own systems. So they've basically got a professional designer to come in and basically build it with high-quality buffers. Obviously, you're adding in the screen, the editor mode, and stuff like that. I mean, it's £419. Yeah. Um, So I think anyone getting into switching, there aren't that many cheap switching options. You've got the ES5, and then you've basically got this.
1: The ES5 is less money, though. Well, certainly it goes for less money secondhand. Um, And there are always enough
2: is yeah, it's about three hundred and ninety-nine. So yeah, they're kind of about the same
1: price. Four one nine, three three nine nine. I got a um, uh, I got a, a little switcher, a programmable switcher for ninety-nine pounds yesterday. Uh, I got a well, hotel I mean, one. I wanted one of the little strip ones to go at the front of a metro pedal board. Yeah, um, I,
2: I got one of the um chameleon i can't remember what the company is now but i bought a similar thing which i haven't used it's been sat in, sat in the drawer for ages but yeah there's some strip ones that are kind of a, a nice and simple i think this one's going to be i mean it's got midi on it which is a, a massive plus yeah. obviously you can ex- control external gear so no doubt it's going to be sort of relatively popular i think yeah. Um i actually I don't know if we ever talked about these. But I didn't realize they made pedal boards as well, Joe. Um, Fender have a professional pedal board in three sizes. I don't know if we've ever talked about that, but yeah, they've got like a, a anodized like steel metal pedal board, oh, anodized that's... aluminium chassis chassis uh, pedal board. I didn't know that, but there you go. That's oh, yeah, something pe- new every day. Not even it's, new.
1: It's under new. It is under new releases, isn't it? Is it the professional uh, pedal board? Maybe not, maybe not, maybe, maybe not, but there you go. But anyway,
2: well, I just wanted to mention the switchboard because I'm sure people are going to ask. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, they're the kind of the, the really big things for now. There's been a lot of, and we're not the synth podcast, but there's been a lot of announcements in the synth world as well, um, yeah. which is quite interesting. Korg are like, you know what everyone loved 20 years ago? The micro Korg. You know what we're going to make? the micro cork <laughs> So they're basically making a new micro cork So look out for that as well. Do you, um, the Vox, are well, Korg,
1: uh, who, who, well, are Korg, yeah, Vox. they're obviously part of the same thing. Yeah, the, the They've released that new, they've made a new version of the Vox Apache or whatever it was I called. I mean, that, the,
2: you know, you talk about crazy ideas, Joe, who the, who, when, you know what people want? The Apache. You know what people, what we're going to make? The Apache. <laughs> it was just like, no one wants a guitar with a built-in speaker. It's
1: um, so good. What are you talking about, dear listener? If you've not, if you are not, I'm trying to find an article on it. No, someone uh, actually talking, talking about it. Someone.
2: APC1. It has 33 inbuilt rhythms. Um, I don't know. I I don't know, Joe. I think that's it's no gear of the year. No, I don't think it's. I don't think that's going to be gear of the year. Um, no. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. What I should we um, be
1: cool? What should we go for next, Joe? Is there well, anything
2: S- else we want to cover from Squire? now?
1: Squire. Are the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, I was still trying to find the, the Premier Guitar website at the moment, honestly. If they squeeze any more banner ads onto that page, <laughs> like, I literally can't click on anything because if you move your mouse, it hovers oh. something that changes the crop of the page. Oh, it's just the worst. Great, you know, they're good at getting um, press releases out, you know, quick, but oh, mm. website, got it annoying. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Isotope and Native Instruments two companies who provide the bulk of the recording and editing tools used by Guitar Nerds. If you have a home studio or if you're thinking about getting into demo recording from home then Isotope and Native Instruments provide the tools that you need to make premium quality recordings with ease and with virtually no equipment other than your guitar and laptop. Isotope make all the voice editing and audio repair tools that I use for the podcast each week and Native Instruments guitar 7 is one of the best, most comprehensive collections of virtual effects and guitar amplifiers available anywhere. Use discount code NERDS10 on any product in the Isotope and Native Instruments catalog for 10% off their fantastic range of tools. Um, yeah, so um, Squire have actually had quite a good little time as well. They've uh, released a bunch of stuff in the classic vibe. I really like the '60s Stratocaster. Shame to not see Squire doing something, but I guess it's the Fender Strat that the uh, is the 70th anniversary yes. Squire classic vibe '60s Strat in HSS, where the humbucker is in a lovely chrome cover and matching headstock. Pelham blue, not uh, sorry, not Pelham blue, obviously Lake Placid blue um it uh that's a very cool strat they've uh they've also done it in a um in like a honey burst as well a sienna sunburst i think is what they call that sienna
2: sunburst yes sienna sunburst mm, well you know my feelings on sunburst i'm not a massive uh fan of that one but i am a fan joe this is absolutely rocking for me i would 100 percent own and play one of these uh, they have done a classic vibes '60s custom in satin Dakota red.
1: It is. It, we're talking about the Telecaster. Uh, we're you, talking about
2: the that. telly. Sorry, classic vibe '60s custom telly in satin Dakota red for four hundred and twenty nine oh. Great British pounds. Um, same C shaped neck, nine and a half inch radius, vintage lacquer fresh, maple yes. board. are uh, uh, I'm in, Joe, for that. I I love Dakota Red. I think it's a great colour. I think with that vintage tint neck and board, it just looks cool. That's going to wear really cool. That's going to be a future classic. Loads of people are going to want
1: one of those. Um, I mean, I agree. It's absolutely lovely. Dakota Red is one of the best vendor colours. I've got a lot of time for it. It looks fantastic mm. in this makeup. The price is okay. I mean, we know that Classic Vibe stuff is getting expensive. But it's mm. still you're getting a lot of guitar there you're getting a lot um, of guitar uh, but i i i think the big one really from this range is the classic vibe sixties telecaster s h so humbucker in the neck matching headstock sherwood green with a torque guard that is awesome <laughs> that is awesome four hundred and forty nine u s dollars rosewood neck. Chort guard, Sherwood green body and headstock, humbucker in the neck. This is the perfect guitar to buy. Go, you know, get some great custom shop pickups. Um, you know, not, not necessarily Fender custom shop. Go to a great uh, pickup builder and get some awesome pickups shoved in there. That is, that's that's going to be yeah. an amazing guitar. How did they make that guitar
2: cheaper than the classic '60s custom telly? Yeah. Um, £409, which I just sort of find amazing, but they do it in black or Sherwood green. I, th- I think the black looks very cool. The black is uh, very
1: cool because it's black, black guard matching.
2: Mid- yeah. I, although I would like black torque guard. Uh, yeah. uh, and then get rid of the bridge pickup, just the neck pickup. Get rid of the control plate. You've got the world's weirdest Esquire. Um, no, I, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I think that's, again, that's squire, man. Just some great ideas. Great guitars. Uh, I mean, even Joe, for me, the uh the jazz bass, the mid sixties jazz bass they've done in Olympic white with matching headstock yeah. is awesome.
1: It's, it's probably the least adventurous of their uh of the of their releases because you can already get an Olympic white squire classic vibe jazz base. Um, but you can't get it with the matching headstock, and of and course, you have the bound neck in yeah. this uh, with this mid '60s one, which does look very cool. Bound necks with dot inlays it's a, this is a a connoisseur's choice. That is, a, <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna invest in a jazz bass at the moment, few things are gonna be cooler than that. Yeah, that is you. You, you cannot play
2: that bass unless you're wearing like a suit. <laughs> you need to look you you've got to look the part to play that base but that is yeah. um that's very cool. Again, squire man they just they got it all oh, right God, um, I love that
1: brand so much got it Think about right. how far that company's come since we were kids matt i, I remember know, like buying my first affinity p base in red like you know it wasn't the color didn't even have a name it was just <laughs> red you know i i remember how rubbish it was and yeah. now you look at like I, I appreciate they still well they still do affinity now and sure affinity is still relatively basic but it feels like it's come on a long way. Um, the, what an amazing way to spend four hundred and fifty quid right there. I think Can when, we when um, we were kids all you could get for four hundred and fifty quid if you were lucky was a Mexican in a standard colour, you know.
2: Yeah. Can we also talk about, Joe, just while we're on um, kind of new releases from that brand? Uh-huh. I think we should also, very quickly, only because I've been served about three different articles for the deluxe wooden amplifier stand.
1: Oh, they love
2: it. I can't... I It's just everywhere in all the news it articles about it. everywhere. So, Fender... And hey, I get it. And actually... I think it's kind of cool. We we talked about, Joe, if you remember, be- probably in December time, we talked about Amazon products that basically look very similar to this but are way cheaper, that are just yeah. like metal frames and a bit of foam. Etsy products, yeah. Etsy products. And I just – I get it. Like, I think that amp furniture we talked – we've talked about several times before. Um, I can't remember the brand now, but there's a brand that make those kind of really flash guitar stands and they stack on top of each other or you can have a workbench on top. And I just think that like guitar furniture is certainly a thing that people want when they're kind of melding it into their sort of home aesthetic. So they've kind of announced a wooden hanging guitar stand, which is very similar to those super expensive wooden stands that came out from some sort of boutique company a few years ago. They're doing a triple guitar stand where the guitars sit staggered back from each other. That's Um, really nice. That is really nice. It's expensive, but it's wood, so I get it. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, the deluxe wooden amplifier stand. Oh,
1: that's the which... big one. Two hundred and eighty-five pounds and no.
2: I mean, they're actually they're actually saying it's their own line of gear furniture, so we're probably going right. to see a lot more of this. But it is effectively an amp stand made out of wood with a drawer underneath, which I just really like. I just think. It's good. It's an elegant walnut finish. Well, uh,
1: for 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 59 pounds and 99 pence, I bought a big wooden box off of Amazon which uh, ah, which my amps wrote Fender on, on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my amps are just sitting on on that and it was much cheaper. Um but but you know I,
2: I just- also noticed that they spelt included wrong. Customisable e v a foam padding included included included, but the, you know I just think there's a lot of people out there that want this kind of thing yeah. and do want it for your living room or whatever um I think they put like it looks like they've put a mustang on it yeah <laughs> like a yes. fan I'm like, why wouldn't you put like a twin I, or something on it is like the,
1: is the stand more expensive than that amplifier? I think it probably is <laughs> um.
2: But I think it's cool. I think it's very cool. Although the one article I did read when you could just buy a Boss BSA 1. Uh, which is, yeah. What, but which Pony should Matthews also that. work.
1: Polly Matthews that. Tim has his, uh, his jazz chorus just sat on the BAS 1.
2: You know, amp stands are no new thing. Um, but I think... The advantage of this one, and I don't know, I could be talking out my ass, Joe. But you might notice when you use an amp stand, you lose a lot of bass because you're taking it off the floor. It doesn't resonate in the same way. Where you've got, like, a it's connecting to a lot more material that's connecting to the floor, Um, I think it's going to project a little bit more bottom end. And some amp stands, you do lose that. I think perhaps that's also become become very directional. Um, But, yeah. It's not cheap, £285. Big money. Um, but, you know, we've seen guitar stands way more expensive than that. Sure. Um, people own amps way more expensive than that. And yeah. if you only own one amp and it's in your living room and you want it to look nice, then there you go. Yeah, yeah, fair
1: enough. Fair enough. Absolutely. It's definitely cheaper than a lot of the boutique stuff. Yeah, indeed. Matt, indeed. speaking of... Something you mentioned uh just now, as maybe want to talk about this thing. Do you remember before we started podcasting, I said to you, Oh, I've got a secret story that I wanna tell you yes. on the podcast. you were yes. trying to get me to tell you before. Well, yes. Nam's round the corner, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh and so Ashdown, we're prepping all all the all the new gear, right? We've got we've got the amps, we've got the bases, there's some pedals, everything's getting ready to go. And I was up there the other day and I was like, huh. How many of these amps have we made? Because we've misspelt the name on the front, and this is for uh, this is for people watching the uh, this is for people watching the podcast on the front <laughs> of the yet to be released actual amps. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh it says it says original. 500 <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be the original um oh but man. fortunately it was just one it was just the uh, prototype so i was like can i have it so they've uh <laughs> they've let oh, me that yes, is take... excellent so there you go so i've got the one original uh, ashdown amplifier um and that is still as there you go if you want to if you you know breaking a little embargo this is due out on uh on whenever thursday uh that is the new i said 500 it's 300 i think this one It's a little 300 watt Class D amplifier looks great. Lovely little chassis. Really smart. Five bands of EQ. You know all the things you want. A really high quality DI out, which is what matters. And then you know the that ash down shape button, which basically scoops out your mids, which I do not like. Um, I I just want the that.
2: Interstellar six hundred. That
1: is the amp. Oh That's yeah, ash
2: down amp for me.
1: The guy the guy prep one. It's it's Pratt great. One. It's huge. Um, and it's uh, it's uh, yeah. it's very cool. Um this is very cool.
2: But there you go. So you've got your own organal. Yeah. Or, organal <laughs> <organole> Ashdown. <hashed> <laughs> that's my,
1: That's my favorite thing. Um uh, dear listener, also worth noting, actually, um, again, if you're we we are releasing these podcasts on YouTube as well to watch. If you care about watching me and Matt talking to a microphone for an hour. Uh but this is something just for the viewers at the moment. KMA machines are. We're doing a little giveaway on the Instagram. You know, I, I get to do the Instagram stuff, so I keep putting together giveaways so that I can give you, lovely people, stuff. Um, KMA have got a pedal coming out on uh, on Thursday uh, at the start of NAM. A big new pedal, and there's a giveaway on Instagram to guess what that pedal is. What type of effect? I've given some clues. There's basically a picture of it on a pedal board, and the position on the pedal board and how it's cabled is your clue as to what it is. But I thought for people watching, I'd give you another clue because I've got the I've got one of the pedals here. Thought I'd, I'd give you another you. clue. I'm going to yeah. reveal it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I thought what I'd do is show you all the back of the uh, of the pedal. Um, that is the pedal from the back and i wonder how i can do this this is <laughs> I can't can't be really careful. and that is some of the uh some of the inputs and outputs on the side on one of the sides of the pedal so there you go that's a little bit of a clue if you want to enter go to the kma uh, instagram and uh, and have a little guess of nice. what that pedal is nice see. nice but uh, we're coming We're coming towards the end of the podcast, dear listener. Uh, Matt and I would of course, be heading over to patreon.com forward slash Guitarnas. We're going to talk about more stuff this week. I failed to mention this at the start, but this week um, we'll probably talk about some of the pedals that, uh, that I got sent this week. But also we had a great question um, from Josh Chudley on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook um, to do with... Uh, selling off a bunch of his gear for store credit, which is a terrible idea. And now he's got to decide what to do amplifier-wise with his store credit. So limited to new and available now amplifiers at full price. But Matt and I will be talking... (laughs) His credit is only available for new amplifiers at full price. (laughs) Well, I just meant, you know... It's, uh, he can't use the pre-owned market is what i meant oh right i was
2: like yeah so like, we won't do you a deal you can only pay full price on it
1: i was like josh you have been wildly screwed over that. no yeah that's, that's quite what I meant but yeah we're, oh, we're gonna dude. we're gonna deal with that but yeah so um i got a whole bunch of stuff matt um uh that i picked up i got the new diamond base compressor which is unbelievably good there's going to be some stuff i think next the week after next uh jd short and i are doing a podcast so i'll probably do some bass stuff there but it's unbelievably good the diamond bass compressor back i also got the tremolo the uh the diamond tremolo which is very good um i got the meris lvx um the Earthquaker devices avalanche run which is the pedal i used to own got again um, oh, I got the uh, the pedal you wanted to talk about, Matt. Is the Universal Audio Lion? Oh, I did indeed. I want to talk about that very much. It's a great. Pro- I mean, you said, you know, you said yourself, the uh, the problem with the UA Lion. The only thing that's got going against it is the price tag. Mm, yes, because it is an expensive pedal. Yes, it, is it is a near four hundred pound um, drive pedal. Well, that's uh, fine. preamp
2: pedal. Well yeah. yeah. It's a bit of everything, isn't it? But we can talk about that. Uh we can talk about that in the in the Patreon, perhaps. Uh,
1: yes, yeah. Let's talk about that in the Patreon because um as we're coming to the end, I want to talk a little bit about the LVX before we go. The Meris Audio LVX, a pedal that I don't think, because we never got any of the we didn't get the LVX or the new um The Reverb X. The new Reverb, the Mercury X. Mercury X. Because we never got either of those, I feel like over the last couple of gear gear of the years, we haven't really shouted about these pedals very much. I also Mm. felt, and I said it on gear of the year when we were talking about the Mercury X, is this pedals? this is a great product. I just feel like really high, really expensive, really this does everything ambient pedals is just a bit, of a trodden path now there are lots of brands that do it
0: Uh, Mm. i I
1: guess it's probably a personal thing it's just because it's not especially something that i would use um but I was incredibly impressed the interface is very usable, really easy to get your head around the uh, the four foot switches are very intuitive as well to allow you to turn on and off certain parts of a of a patch. The rotary controls are very hands on so even though you 're loading up presets you 've immediately got control of all the things that you kind of want to control on those delay lines and it 's it's got so much stuff on there from like octave reverbs to ambient stuff um to uh, like modulating things to sort of beat based delays and then it's got all the classic stuff that you want all the tape sounds i mean i, I you know appreciate you don't need to spend 600 pounds on a um on a delay pedal to get a bucket brigade style delay but it does those sounds really really well mm. um as well i think um
2: we probably, I don't know, it was good that we had uh, Blake on board, but I think we, for gear of the year, year before last, But I think we probably didn't do it justice because I think, as you said, with the Mercury X, it isn't just a reverb pedal. It is way more than that. Yeah. You know, it's all of their pedals realistically in one base, centered around building reverbs. So, you know, it's. Uh, I think it's good that you got it because you can give it some time um you know we can really sort of uh understand it a little bit more and get a bit more out of it i think yeah yeah i'm keen to give it a go at some point definitely keen to give it a go at some point. yes
1: yeah i will send i will send it up to you afterwards but i recorded a little uh little demo dear listener for this week a little ambient demo there are two guitars running sort of left and right panned at all times um using different patches and they change throughout it's just about a minute and a half of um, of an ambient track, working around the same three chords. Um, but great tone, so easy to use. I literally unboxed this, plugged it straight in, opened up a door. I spent five minutes with this pedal before I recorded it, and that's testament to how easy it is to use for something that is actually so complicated. Here is the track. There you go. That is the... Totally uh,
2: sold, Joe. Totally
1: sold. It's very good. Very good. All lovely glitches and ambience and uh, surprisingly controllable. You know when I see a pedal with a screen and only like a handful of knob controls on there and I I just thought it was going to be more complicated than it was. And I'm sure you can deep dive into a lot of those things, obviously, and create and craft delay tones however you want. it... um
2: was the kind of like there's a bit when you came in with like some tremolo picking and it has like really reverberated. Was all that sort of reverb and stuff in there as yeah, yeah, that's all well. that's
1: all on there as well. It's kind it's of just got some amazing. preamp stuff on there as well, so you can get like a just a little bit of gain on the front of those uh, uh delay tails as well. It's it's so much more than just a delay. It's kind of a a bit of a multi effects geared yeah. around delay as its main thing. It's it had you know big you know, dare I say, microcosm
2: vibes. Um, yeah. I could definitely see it being really useful. Um, absolutely really, really useful. So, yeah, keen to see what more comes out of it and uh, maybe a update from you in a couple of weeks, Joe. Um, and if you get bored of it, send it Maui. I will. I um, will indeed. Now that How- I'm in my new kind of small space, like I think I can actually probably get my pedal board and an amp in here, which is going Ooh. to be the next thing. So I'm hoping that I can... Uh, start having a bit of guitar fun again and bring my pedal board out that's the that's the plan
1: well, there we go. Yeah. Well, Matt and I are going to head over to Patreon, dear listener. But before we go, I just want to thank our top tier, our $10 tier patrons for uh, their continued support in making all of this possible. Um, thank you very much to Nicholas Strom, to Rocket Rob Patterson, to Phil Sadler, Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Rob Witherden, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant. Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, John Conaway, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Kyle Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Dan Pilver, Brian Einsler, Dylan Griffiths, Mark Hizal-Kadawaki, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Rodomsky, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dor. Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Losef, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia The Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog Gravit. Mm-hmm. There you go. Thank you very much, everyone. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in to listen. Don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube each week as Well, we're heading over to the Patreon, patreon patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where Matt and I are going to talk about more of the pedals I've got and a question or two from the Facebook group. Do join us there. We'll be back next week with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.